Welcome to Lessons for Leaders. This week I'm talking to you about resilience. Resilience is a really important criteria as far as I'm concerned for all leaders and individuals in fact. However, because we're going to be expecting the next few weeks of this lockdown and another few weeks of change, just when we were all getting used to this, I thought it would be useful for me to revisit resilience, particularly focusing this week on resilience for leaders, but actually it's relevant to everybody. So I'm going to be talking about what is resilience, how resilience impacts on you, on leadership, on your employees, other people around you, and then what are my six pillars of resilience. So welcome back. You know, each week I bring you lessons, learnings, tips and advice to enable you to lead with ease in business without the stressed out and overwhelm so that it can increase your performance, be resilient so that you can thrive in life and never has this been so important in these times of the COVID-19 and UK still in lockdown. I'm recording this on, I think, day 43 of lockdown. I'm Emma Langton, your host. I'm your leadership coach and workplace trainer, helping you to make a difference in yourself and in your workforce to make that impact in the world, but also to look after yourself and your workforce. And that's why on this episode, it's really important that we look again at what resilience is. Often, we can think that we're doing the things that we need to do because we know what is needed. We think we're doing them. But in fact, what happens with a lot of people that I work with and even with the workshops that I run is that they sometimes say, God, it was really useful. It was a really great reminder for the workshops. Um, there wasn't a great deal that was new information to them and then I say and which of those things are you doing and then you get a little bit more silence (laughs) to be honest because we know the stuff but are we doing it and so at this time more than any other time I think it's hugely important that we do Uh, begin to put certain things in place even if you take away one key thing from this podcast that you are going to implement a bit more look at a little bit more then well my work is done (laughs) so before we dive in I know you're probably sick of hearing me ask this but please do go and leave a review it helps enormously for the podcast Uh, places to know what it is that you like and importantly then they highlight it to other people so then it gets my voice heard in a wider way. Can I just say a huge thank you to Carolyn Binney with her recent review where she says Emma really makes you feel normal and she explains why you're feeling like this and with COVID-19 adjustment how it will work and how you can control your stress she says listen and listen again and know that Emma really knows what she's talking about 
So thank you so much for that, Carolyn. And as I say, if you would be so kind as to go over and leave a review, I would really appreciate that. And you may even get read out on one of the future episodes. So, I know this is a really stressful time for people and I am doing lots of work in companies providing online training and webinars for their employees um, and also for individuals who are finding this quite difficult or that they are just wanting to be able to support their staff. It's definitely a difficult time and I won't deny when there are times when I even I've wanted to hide under the duvet until it's all over but it's really just not possible. Um, so if you want to support your workforce or if you are needing some support then do get in touch with me there are a variety of opportunities to work with me but my diary is filling up so drop me a message at emma at emmalankton.com or go over to my website which is emmalankton.com and you can have a look at what there is on offer or I am tailoring things specifically to meet people's needs. So get in touch. We can get you sorted with some tools to manage any stress and any difficulties, strategies to stay calm, ways to improve your resilience and the ability to cope in the future. So drop me a message or get in touch today. So for today's episode, you know, leaders are um, expected to be able to run and lead in their business and to be able to do it well. And Accenture concluded that resilience may be the new criterion for professional advancement. And I mean, I'm kind of inclined to agree, really, in the current world of this uncertainty and um, lockdown and virus and, and even before that with, you know, competitiveness and organisations, companies, leaders still needed to be so resilient to be able to have that clear advantage, to be sustainable um, both personally and uh, professionally and economically within the company. So... That's why in today's episode, I'm talking about what resilience is, how does resilience impact on leadership, and what is my six pillars of resilience that I often talk about in my workshops and training. Because it's vital that we can respond effectively to the constant demands and pressures of our uh, situation and even the leaders in their roles. As well as changing the world around them, they need to be able to lead their team to be a resilient team. So it's critical for leaders and managers to be able to thrive in response to current times and whatever is going to come through in the days and weeks ahead. You know, we're in this always on kind of society and more so than ever now with lots of things running from home and the additional pressures and stress of things. So the risk of high stress of burnout is becoming widespread. So if we think about what resilience is, 
You know, it's been talked about a lot. And I've even had people go, oh, yeah, but resilience is just a buzzword, isn't it? Um, but when I ask this in my training and workshops, people often say it's the ability to keep going. It's staying strong in hard times. Or it's about mental toughness. And, and there's a multitude of other answers. You know, in the, the Harvard, Harvard Business Review in 2016... Um, they said that more than five decades of research point to the fact that resilience is built by attitudes, behaviours and social support that can be adopted and cultivated by anyone. For me, resilience is the most important personal attribute that, and it can have a wide-ranging influence on your personal well-being, on your performance at work, you know, I usually say it's not just your bounce back ability. For me, it's about how well you adapt to any given situation. So it's definitely not about keeping going. It's okay to get knocked down, but it's then how quickly you can recover, get back up again and adapt and continue in those situations. And now that is true more than ever, I would say. You know, it was Charles Darwin that said it's not the strongest of the species that survive, nor the most intelligent, but the most responsive to change. And that is absolutely the best, as far as I'm concerned, resilient statement ever. Um, and the good news is that resilience is mouldable. You can build your resilience. You can reshape it, which means that we can all develop resilience. So the link today with resilience and uh, leadership has been uh, extensively explored. When we think about leaders experience those kind of stress-related illnesses and personal issues, we, the reasons why leaders don't stay in roles for as long, studies show that around two-thirds of leaders are affected with the stress and personal issues. And that's something that I'm finding. I'm doing my own survey on stress and performance-related issues. So I will put a link for that in the show notes too. And I would appreciate you going and grabbing that link, spending a few minutes and completing that survey for me. But there is a third of that study group that was done that successfully kind of survived and thrived despite the challenges. And the differentiating factor that set them aside was their ability to adapt and with adaptable attitudes and skills that combined to give them a resilience mindset. And I'm going to be covering all these, you see, in my five pillars, six pillars. I've added a pillar. Leaders can also have a direct impact on the resilience of their employees as well. By leading in a way that helps employees become adaptable in a positive way to the challenging situations and to develop strategies to overcome obstacles so that they too can be resilient. I'll cover a little bit more of how that impacts in a moment. So when we think about what are the key areas of resilience, you know, the first is about vision and purpose. Do you have a vision? Are you able to adequately relay that vision, that purpose, those milestones for yourself, for your company, for your team? Because when we give ourselves that meaning and direction, it's what pushes us forward. It's what gets us up in the morning. It's what keeps us going. It gives us 
that purpose and and there is research that says that when you're engaged and have purpose life becomes easier less complicated and less stressful so your vision and purpose is really important and it might be useful if you take some time to revisit that sometimes the next key area is about your own awareness now the awareness of ourselves and others around us affect how we respond and how we view situations that we're challenged with. So if you've got a leader that is, you know, perhaps getting quite stressed and maybe a bit sharp in how they're spoken to, or isn't relaying and communicating the vision and the purpose, then other people around you have less awareness of what's going on, have less purpose, um, and then they start to get wobbly and stressed and it affects their performance. So it's all kind of interlinked. So when we're aware and we know what is a challenge for us and what is a challenge for our workforce or what is going to be stressful and what is not, then we can adapt and decide how we want to deal with it. We can incorporate tools that can help us to be regulated, to be calm or to be positive on a personal aspect. And then this can have an impact on our mental health, on the stress and the resilience that we have. And mental health is going to be hugely important after all this time of lockdown. So it's really important that you raise your awareness, not just of how you think and feel, but also how other people think and feel too. We might know that we have a particularly difficult day coming up. And having the awareness of how that's going to affect us, for example. It might be board meetings or interviews or even redundancy consultations, which I know are going ahead at this current time. Or something else. If that's in the diary and we are aware of how it will affect us, then we can, what I call, package around it or put some scaffolding around it. So perhaps it's about you don't put anything else in the evening or you move some other things out of your diary that are not urgent or essential to give yourself the space to do the difficult stuff, the challenging stuff, the heavy stuff, whatever you want to call it. And then you can have also that awareness of what it is that helps you to re-energise, to recuperate, to recharge. So it might be that you need recovery, relaxation, it might be meditation, breathing, yoga, laughing, something upbeat, something energising. I often talk to people about having a, a playlist, a musical playlist that is either calming or energising. So that awareness isn't just about what you find difficult. It's knowing what lifts you, what supports you, that means you can sort of quickly and easily recharge too. And those things are going to be different for everybody. And that's okay. So the next thing is about support. Having a support around you. Now, I, when I do my uh, workshops, I there's a kind of circle of support of where different aspects can be. You know, is it family? Is it friends? Is it coach? Is it mentor? Is it some spiritual support? You know, there's a wide range there that I show people about the possibilities of support. What support do you have and what do you need? It's about not being afraid to ask for help too. Often I talk to people and this is part of the questions in the survey is 
you know, were you too concerned or worried to ask for help? Um, did you fear any negative repercussion by asking for help? So then people just don't bother. But it's not always about asking for help. It's just knowing that you've got people that you can talk to, people that you can speak to, people that can re-energise you. But when we have people that we can reach out for support and talk to, it lessens the load of whatever it is that we're going through. So it means that we not, don't feel so alone. How many times have you been to trainings or briefings or a meeting and you've got a question or something that you don't understand and you think, oh, it's just me. And you're looking around the room and then somebody else kind of puts their hand up or asks the very question that you wanted to ask. Just think about how you felt at that time. When I ask people this, it's usually a relief or a bit of a sigh or, oh my goodness, or there's murmurs around you where people are wondering that too. So you see, it can be really helpful to kind of be with, you know, like-minded people that lift you up, that support you, that think the same as you, that question the same questions as you. So when we have people to talk to, it creates that connection. And we all need connection to feel part of something. This kind of stems from our tribal days. If it's more than that, then yes, you might need a mentor or a counsellor or a coach, or me, <laughs> get in touch if you think that that's something that you need. When you are talking through the challenges that you are facing, it can be an excellent way to gain perspective. Again, awareness as, as well comes into this. And you can look for new solutions or simply just express your emotions and feel heard and understood. Many studies show that the primary factor in resilience is having caring and supportive relationships within and outside the family and that relationships can create that trust and support and provide role models and offer encouragement and reassurance and all of that bolsters somebody's resilience. I want to be really clear here. Loneliness can take a real toll on your mental and physical health. So having meaningful relationships through a support network and other social groups help us to feel connected and valued. And it isn't just about being surrounded by people. You can be surrounded by people that still feel alone. It's about the connection. So it's important when you face tricky situations that you know where you can get those connections and that support. So think about who is in your support network, what types of support they offer. You might get different things from different people. But I'm very aware that one of the key things that many of the leaders say to me when I'm coaching them is that they feel alone. Perhaps because it's in the decision making and the drive and the vision of things. So the key is knowing who to ask for help with and who we have in our network. The next pillar in my toolkit of resilience is about your attitude. What is your attitude like when presented with problems to solve? One method that I use with people an awful lot is about reframing your thinking about success and failure so that you can kind of change your attitude towards it so that when things go wrong 
someone with a more optimistic or more positive attitude will be able to see the problem in a different way. And that's all that reframing is. You know, it's a way of learning or identifying things perhaps that didn't work. You know, I often tell the story of when Thomas Edison was inventing the light bulb, um, somebody apparently asked him, you know, how did it feel to fail a thousand times? And apparently he said something along the lines of, I can't remember exactly, I didn't fail a thousand times. I found a thousand steps towards the successful invention or something like that. But that's reframing at its best. Attitude is also about looking at what we can control and influence and what we cannot. And I used to say this all the time to my managers when I was in corporate. You know, often at times when we were going through restructuring or a time of change, I used to say, can we change the impact of this? Or can we change this situation? Yes or no, basically, closed questions. Can we influence it? Now, if it was a yes or a maybe, then right, so what can we do to influence it? You know, and sometimes that's about talking to people, it was about having focus groups, it was communicating, it was asking questions. It was giving feedback. But if the answer was a straightforward, uh, no, we can't, then you have to focus on what you can do. There's no point banging on and getting irate and upset and stressed about things that you have absolutely no control over. And this way of thinking can be learned and developed so that it's so much easier for us to reframe, to be more focused on the positive and to look at the areas that we can control. You know, and this leads me to the thinking styles. There are some well-known thinking styles that we automatically kick into and then there are lots of others that I work through with people. So here's an example. You know, if... Um, I usually say if your boss says they want a meeting with you and they want to see you at 10 o'clock tomorrow morning, whether that's the boss, the CEO, whoever it is, which response do you go into? And I often put up pictures, you know, about like I say, an ostrich with its head in the sand or somebody with their, their head in their hands and it being all sort of catastrophic or somebody kind of being really um, rational and thinking, oh, well, we just want like an update and I'll go and get all my numbers out, etc., etc. Some people start to think, oh my God, am I going to get fired? What on earth has gone wrong? What have I done wrong? Um, am I in trouble? You know, have they found me out? Have they sussed that I'm not coping? Have they found a problem in something, something? Or is somebody going sort of defensive and defending the recent performance? Whatever it is that you do, Again, it, it, this links back into the awareness of what it is that you do, but recognising your thinking style. Because by identifying and understanding your thinking patterns and the self-talk that goes with it, otherwise known as limiting beliefs, the thinking patterns and self-talk, you can learn to challenge them and change how you react to those challenging situations. So as ever, as I'm always banging on about, it starts with deep breaths because the deep breaths calm down your internal system. And then just think about, is, is my thought really true? Is there an alternative explanation anywhere? 
Am I thinking the worst, catastrophizing? Am I dropping into learned patterns of negative self-talk or doom and gloom, as I like to call it? What other explanation could there be? How can this be different or reframed, as I've talked about? So you can challenge the negative beliefs and focus on the positive ones. So then perhaps, you know, you can recognise some of those failures, but without it dragging you down into a place where you just stop. You can reflect then on the successes or the things that you've learned. You can take time to acknowledge and celebrate the things that you've done well with all this by changing your thinking style. Sounds so easy, doesn't it? But accept the possibility of making mistakes because we can learn just as much from the mistakes, if not more, from the mistakes as we do from the successes. And even when the leaders arrive at a senior level, they need to stay focused on continuous learning from mistakes, from their own thinking styles and from what they see around them. So by expanding the skills, leaders can ensure that they have a range to work with to help them overcome difficult obstacles and setbacks. And coaches can support leaders in this process because they are really skilled at helping individuals to to set and monitor stretching goals, to challenge their own thinking, to be able to look at things in a different way. And, you know, bringing in reflective practice too. The next step as well is about your health. Now, this is one of the things that often people say to me, oh, yeah, I know that I should be doing that. And then I go, but are you doing it? <laughs> um, no. Because I mean both mental and physical health, but we've talked a bit about the mental health. But your mental health will improve with your increased awareness, as I said, and adapting your thinking styles. And then with your physical health, the two kind of go hand in hand. We know that exercise is good. We've got our hourly uh, exercise allowance, as I record this, in the UK. Um, and it's been correlated with stronger levels of resilience because it gives you the endorphins and the feel-good chemicals to boost your mood. And you will have discovered that it's not always about going to the gym because the gyms are closed, as I record this. But um, it, we've needed to find other ways to be able to exercise in these strange times. But it might also be, lots of people talk about dancing. I often talk to people about having a music playlist. I've already mentioned it. So it might be something upbeat or it might be something quiet and relaxing that you need. Or it might be a mixture of both. You know, my I often joke about my friend who goes for a run and I run a bath. Um, but it's finding what activities are personal to you that help you. This isn't a one-size-fits-all thing. But what helps you to de-stress and to, to recharge? Take some time to think about what boosts your energy levels and what drains you. Again, it's about awareness. Find things that you can fit into your daily life without feeling that you must do that thing or that you're going to beat yourself up if you haven't done it or you don't achieve some big thing. You know, do you need time alone or with people? Do you need to make time just for you? I've been needing to make alone time for me um, and always have, but I'm, it's, you know, proving harder in the house. Um, 
that looking after your physical health might include much more than just exercise or time out. It's also about what you eat. You know, I hear people talking about kids constantly wanting snacks. People are putting on the extra pounds because they are baking and doing whatever, whatever. But it's also about not skipping meals because you're busy, under pressure or stressed. But it's about eating some of those healthy things. It's not about deprivation, but making sure that you've got that balance in there. Thinking about, do you get enough sleep? Or are you staying awake, as a lot of my clients are, you know, worrying or thinking about all the things that you've got to do. A lot of HR and leaders are awake and having all sorts of stuff going through their minds at night. There are strategies that I work with with people that can be really helpful for that. Because if you never give yourself a chance to recover from the busyness and the challenge of your day, then you're going to be running on empty. Any physically or mentally demanding lifestyle can leave you drained. Even if you feel like you've been sat on your bum all day, you can be mentally drained. So if you don't have that balance of the exercise and get enough good quality sleep, in turn, this affects how resilient you might feel. So then we can think about in all of this, sort of being reflective in our practice. You know, when I did my um, coaching training, we looked at David Kolb, who put, published his um, learning style model in 1984. And it's just for stages in a cycle that a person goes through with effective learning so you put yourself in the challenging situation and you draw on different resilience tools and techniques according to whatever was in that situation and then you can review the experience explore you know what you were thinking what you did what was the impact what was the outcome what specific tools did you draw on how well did they work you can then make some conclusions and summaries from the experience. How well did you deal with it? What did what worked? What didn't work? And then you, that can enable you to make plans for improvement. Now, you can do this about your day, about your week, you know, about a big project at work or anything. Are there, looking at those plans for improvement, are there tools and techniques that you can try? Is there somebody else in your support network that you need, you know, to be able to bring in or to find for when this comes through next time. Because I just, you know what a little geek I am about how our brains work. So I want to just finish this up with a little bit of the science bit. Because there's lots of neuroscience studies and they now know that it's never too late for our brain to develop or change. The neuroplasticity means that the brain forms new neurons and connections all the way through our life. I was going to say until we're 100, but people are living past that. We can even grow new neurons at any age. And we can also, um, it's called pruning back some of the old neurons. So pruning back some of the old learnings and neural pathways too. Which means that we can almost, um, I talk about rewiring our brain, so we can rewire it and um, remove anything that's obsolete and not serving us well. 
Now, I'm not saying that this is like really simple and easy and wouldn't it be marvellous if we could just lift the top of our head and have somebody go in and poke about in the wiring and just change it about. That would be marvellous. I would love that. But, so it does take a bit of work. It's a practice. It's called practicing resilience for a reason. So it's not just, oh, well, I've done that now and I don't need to look at it anymore. It's that every day we have the opportunity to continue with our resilience, to um, change the brain default mode of operation. So increasing our resilience might take a bit of effort and focus, but it's said that we can build new neural pathways in just 42 days. So in the, in, you know, in the context of lockdown and in the context of our life, it's, it's, it's six weeks, seven weeks, seven weeks, can't do my maths. It's, you know, it's a little over a month. It's not long. It takes longer than that to strengthen them. But it's not long. So it's absolutely possible to change the way that we, we think. So then we change the way that we respond. So then we increase our resilience for the long term. So that's it from me on resilience and I hope you find this really, really useful. But you know, I'd love it if you would drop me an email, um, emma at emmalankton.com or on any of my social media on LinkedIn, Twitter or Facebook and tell me one key thing that you've taken away from today's episode. Um, and if you have any questions, I'd be happy to go through anything that you need to hear. In the meantime, grab the links in the show notes for the survey. Don't forget, please, to leave a review. And if you do need to talk to me some more about coming in and working with your team or with you individually to deliver any virtual trainings or one-to-one coaching, contact me to discuss the needs and we can get a complimentary call booked in so that we can see how we can help you. So until next time, take good care, be resilient, stay sane and connected. Bye for now.